continuing on with our um, <laughs> Go Fish series. I keep blanking on the title of the series. Go Fish series, where we're looking at uh, discipleship, what it means to be a disciple, what it looks like to make disciples. Um, and, and so we, we've been working through some of those, some of those things. Uh, this week, we're going to dial in on kind of the need for connection, why connection is so important um, in the life of a disciple. So I'm a person that um, I've become an expert in the starting of projects. Is any, anybody else an expert at starting projects? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm an expert project starter. Um, I have yet to master the project finishing. Like that's, that's I'm, I'm really weak at the project finishing. It's part of the Myers curse. Uh, my dad one year uh, got me a basketball goal for Christmas and in like late November, early December of the following year, finally got the goal installed and put up for me. So that was, it's that Myers curse. This last summer I did, I, Jamie took the girls to Oklahoma to visit family. And while she was gone, I got motivated to do something nice for her. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to paint her kitchen cabinets, these colors that she really likes. And so did, you know, got the permission to do it, got the, you know, all the supplies and the new knobs and the paints and stuff like that. And Get, get back home, and then, uh, you know, I got one bank of, of cabinets painted, and then I was like, man, my back hurts. <laughs> and so I'm hoping by Christmas she'll have <laughs> her kitchen put back together. But for now, she's got one bank that's just beautiful. And uh, anyway, but so, like, I'm, I'm a great project starter, not so much a great project finisher. And this is what I, I know about myself, though, is that I do have a handful of things in my life that are extremely important to me to finish well, like really important. Um, and, and so like me finishing well in these areas of my life, I, I have restructured my life to make that possible, to make sure that I don't flake out. Uh, one of those areas is family. I don't want to halfway do my family, right? I don't want to start family and not finish family. Uh, and so I, you know, I, my life is prioritized and arranged in such a way that hopefully I'll be able to finish family well, that I'll be a, the, the husband and the, the father that my family needs me to be. And, and, and so I've, I've made those adjustments because that's, that's really, really important to me. Another area of my life that's really important for me to finish well is um, my faith. My faith. I, my faith is everything to me. And so I have rearrange my life so that Jesus is the center of my universe. Everything I do revolves around Christ. And um, because I, this is what I I know, I've I've had a lot of friends over the years who have started faith and started very excited about their faith. And then that new faith smell wears off. The faith loses its luster. Life hits them hard. Things they can't explain happen in their life. Doubts start taking place, whatever. And and I have a lot of friends I can look at now that are not that are very very far from God, very very far from God, and they're not currently finishing well in their faith. And you can probably think of people in your life that are the same way. And this is the sad truth. I'm going to hit you with a. a, a sobering dose of reality. I believe every Christ follower in this room wants to finish well in your faith. I believe you do. And, or, you know, because you're here, right? It's, it's something that you're trying to make a priority in your life. 
And yet, statistically speaking, there's a couple of you in this room, at least, that you're not going to finish well. You're going to wander away. You're going to, you know, whatever. You're, you're going to find, you know, what once was such a huge priority, priority to you in your life, some things are going to take place in your life, maybe circumstances with whatever, and you know, job or money or family or relationships or health or whatever. Some things are going to happen that are going to get you a little disillusioned, and 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 then you're going to find yourself, you know, just kind of scooching away. It's not quite the price. It's still in your life. It's still you'll say it's still important to you, but it's not the priority that it wants. What it doesn't bring the excitement and the passion that it once did. You find yourself kind of sliding away, and then. What was once just a little bit of distance, you start looking at it and you realize a great distance has grown between me and God now. To the point that some of you will get to the point where you're like, I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore. I don't even know if I still believe. I'm not, you know, whatever, you're just filled with all these doubts and questions and everything else. And you find yourself so distant from the God that you were once so passionate about in your life. And now this is what I know. Nobody in here has, has, has that as a life plan, right? Nobody in here is like, someday I'm going to wander really, really far from God, right? No, nobody came in the room thinking those thoughts today. But this is what I know. And, and what you also know about life, if you don't, things that you don't make a priority, things that you don't rearrange your life so that you keep them important and pressing and passionate in your life, you will eventually kind of start having some distance. Even the things that you once loved so much, whether it's people or hobbies or careers or goals or whatever, if you haven't structured your life to keep those things in the forefront at the center of of your existence, eventually you'll start to kind of move away. It's just the way life goes. Now, if you're like me and you don't want that to happen with your faith, then you have to kind of do what I've always said, which is, is that like a strong faith does not happen accidentally. It has, to, it has to be intentional. If you're not intentional about your faith, if you're not intentional about your relationship with Christ, then, um, then there's, it's not just going to magically be strong by accident. Like, I, don't, I have no idea why I'm so close to Jesus. I haven't done anything. Right? Nobody, I've never, nobody has ever come into my room, my office, and had that conversation with me. I'm so close to Jesus. I don't do anything though. Just happens. Just magically close to Jesus. Right? Now it's people who have really structured their lives in such a way that they remain close. Right? And you can say the same thing about other relationships in your life too that matter to you. So what I want to talk about this morning is like, how do we? stay deeply connected to Christ? How do we stay deeply connected to Christ so that we can finish well in our faith? And so we're, we're going to kind of hit that. Before we go there, though, I want to talk, just a quick reminder about when, I, when, when we talk about discipleship, what it is we're talking about. How does we define discipleship here? Go ahead and put that slide up. So discipleship is this. It's people, uh, you know, we use this verse that Jesus, when he called, called his first disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They're, they're people that are following Jesus. These are people who are changed by Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and people who are living on mission for Jesus. That's what a disciple is. I'm following Jesus. I'm obeying him. I'm getting to know how he lived his life. I'm trying to match my life up to that. I'm following him. I'm being changed 
changed by him. I'm giving the spirit of Jesus the permission to come into my life and change me, change me in ways that I know will make me more like him, even if it hurts. So I'm being changed by him and I'm living on mission for him. I'm about the business of going out and helping other people become disciples the way I am a disciple as well. I'm following Jesus. I'm being changed by Jesus. I'm living on mission for Jesus. This is what a disciple is. Now, when we first enter into that process, for those of you, maybe, maybe you're still feeling this. Maybe you're brand new to the faith. When we first enter into that process, a lot of times it's really easy to, stay, to be excited. It's like new life. It's, 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 it's interesting. It, you're, you're passionate about it. You can't stop telling people about it. You're just so excited about this newfound faith that you have, and you really are just, just jazzed about it, right? And then the farther we go into life, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times, we, again, kind of lose that luster. So it's not it's not hard to start being a disciple, but it is difficult to keep on discipling, being a disciple throughout your life. There will be circumstances that hit you that just waylay you. There'll be things that, that hit you in your life where, man, it'll make you question God. It'll make you question what you believe. It'll, whatever, these things, these things, that's just life. Like, those same things are happening to people all around you, and that hardly ever makes you question anything. But there's something about when it happens to you, suddenly it becomes very personal, it becomes painful. And, and, and honestly, what we start thinking is, God, I've been following you. What's up? Why? Why have you abandoned me? Why? Why, why are you doing this to me? What did I do wrong? We start, so what we, what we want new as a very grace-based faith, whenever things don't go our way in life, we start thinking in terms of a very performance-based faith. Suddenly things aren't going my way. Well, I must have been sinning, or God must be mad at me, or whatever. And, and, and it's just, it's those circumstances twist up our thinking, and, and it's really easy to kind of walk down those paths. So the, the story I want to focus in terms of Staying deeply connected to Christ. The story I want to focus on this morning is uh, in Luke chapter 5. If you're in a growth group, your growth group might have read this uh, passage this last week. Um, but it's a really great little story. It's, it's Luke, Luke uh, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. He, uh, it's his uh, description of Jesus calling his first disciples. And it's, it tends to be the one that we don't read. We tend to read Matthew and Mark's description of Jesus calling his first disciples, and we kind of skip over this one. But this is absolutely the best one. It's absolutely the best. Luke has details in there that the other guys don't have, and, and it just it's, there's something really dynamic about this story. It's a really great telling of this story. And the thing I love about Luke, if you don't know who Luke was, Luke wasn't a direct follower of Christ, like when Christ was still walking around on earth doing his ministry. Luke was a guy that came to faith later after Christ had already ascended back to heaven. And, uh, but he walked with the disciples. He walked with Paul. He walked with Peter. He did ministry with these guys. And Luke is, so Luke's gospel is not an eyewitness account of what happened. Luke's is a journalistic account. He went around interviewing, he tells us this in his gospel, he went around interviewing people who had been eyewitnesses of Jesus's life and getting their stories and compiling them into what we know as the gospel of Luke and then also the book of Acts. He wrote both of those books, right? And I love his, his tellings because they're in, in different ways all across these different stories. There are some really personal touches that you only get if you're talking to the person who was actually there. So there's this great one at the beginning of his gospel where he's talking about the birth of Christ 
And, uh, and he, gets this, he shares this account of how the wise men brought gifts uh, to Mary and Joseph and, uh, and you know, gifts for the, for the, uh, the young Savior. And, and then he said this little detail. He says, and Mary uh, kept all these things and treasured them in her heart, right? And I love that little phrase because it tells me that probably one day Luke is sitting across the table from Mary, the mother of Jesus, saying, tell me about what happened. And she's telling him. And at some point she goes, you'll never know how much that meant to me. I, I, I still think about that often, you know, that sort of thing. That, that, that I've treasured that in my heart moment where he's able to record that because he's having that uh, interview kind of conversation with her. I, I just love thinking through those, those, those little details. But so here we go. We get the story of Jesus calling his first disciples, and we get some details that we don't get in the other ones. So it says this. <coughs> on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, talking about Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Simon is the guy we also call Peter, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down, excuse me, and taught the people from the boat. So let me, let me just kind of unpack what's going on. Jesus is teaching. The crowds are beginning to press in him. He's, he's really starting to gain popularity as, as somebody that you need to go here and you never know what he might do, you know, that sort of thing. And, and so he's, he, crowds are starting to press in. He's, he's kind of backed up to this lake. And there, anybody ever get claustrophobic, claustrophobic when a bunch of people like press in on you? Like three-year-olds are the worst at this, right? Like a, like a, like a, like a whole gaggle of three-year-olds just come in on you like, ah, and anyway. So anyway, like, like it's that, and, and, uh, and Jesus notices that these, these, these fishermen, a couple boats of, of fishermen have, have come in from a night of fishing, and uh, they're packing things up, they're putting things away, they're cleaning their nets, and Jesus says, um, hey, take me out a little ways in your boat, and so he gets just a little bit out, you know, away from the sand there. And he begins to teach from the boat. Now, he does this, one, because the crowd's pressing on him. And the other is because, you ever wonder how Jesus could talk to thousands of people without a microphone? Um, this is oftentimes how he would do it. He would get in a little boat, and, and standing on the boat, the acoustics of the water would help to carry his voice and you know, amplify his voice. And so this was a relatively common practice that Jesus used. Other, other times he would be, he would look for kind of natural amphitheater. So we have the Sermon on the Mount where he's kind of up on a hill and, and uh, in a place where his voice will carry a little bit better, you know, so that sort of thing. So he's out there with these guys who've been fishing all night long, and, um, and, and then this happens. He says, uh, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, well, actually, let's not, let's not, let me just, <laughs> does anybody ever have like those conversations with people where people want to tell you how to do your job um, that maybe know nothing about how to do your job? Isn't that like a glorious day when somebody is like, have you ever thought about doing it this way? And, and in the back of your mind, you're thinking, yeah, I think about this stuff 24-7, 365, but no, let me hear what you came up with in the three seconds you just now thought about it, right? right? And so, so like it, it's, that, it's that moment. So here, these guys have come in from fishing, and as we're getting ready to find out, have caught nothing, fished all night. And these are not 
sport fishermen. These are commercial. These are, they're doing this for a living, right? This is how they make their bread and butter is with these fish. And, and so a night of fishing and catching no fish, these guys are coming in feeling dejected, feeling down, just a little, you know, peeved probably, putting up, they're probably angrily putting up the, the nets and the, 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 all their gear and, and getting things uh, put away so they can go home and get a bite to eat and get a little bit of rest from a hard night's work that produced nothing. And Jesus' response to them as, he's, as you know, he's been teaching in one of their boats, he looks over at one of them and he says, um, hey, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I'm sure Peter was in his mind thinking, oh, the deep water. Yeah, we should have tried that, right? <laughs> right? Oh, I didn't, we've been fishing here on the sand all night long. Let's go out to the deep. I bet that'll be better, right? You know, everybody, I, I read sarcasm into everybody, by the way. So anyway, so, so Peter's response, and, and I, by the way, I love this idea. And, and again, I like to fill in blanks that maybe aren't there, but I think, I think it's, it's accurate. I mean, here you've got these guys, again, feeling dejected. They're putting away their stuff. They're trying to be helpful to Jesus. He's a pretty popular guy. So they're kind of honored maybe that Jesus was like, hey, can I get in your boat to teach? And they're like, yeah, sure, I guess. And so they, they get out and he's teaching the crowds and, and they're still putting stuff away. I mean, they're still, you know, trying to get things packed up so they can go home. And I, and I wish I knew what words Jesus was saying. I wish I could have get a little, uh, you know, uh, peek into what Jesus was actually teaching, because I have a feeling whatever it was, you've got depressed, dejected Peter over here putting stuff away, hearing what Jesus is preaching, and some of it's got to be connecting with him in a really powerful way. Some of it's just got to be hitting him going, man, I had a horrible night, but man, what this guy is saying makes sense. Like, I've never heard anybody talk this way before. He's just, he's just trying to get his work done, but here he is got this moment with Jesus where he's just taking this all in. And so a connection is starting to be made here between Jesus and Peter. And then he, he, so Jesus tells him to go out into the deep. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the net. So he's like, uh, you know, we, <laughs> we have tried this all night. It's not a good fishing night. No, but we didn't catch, we didn't just have a bad night. We had a zero night, right? Nothing is out there tonight. The fish just aren't biting. But just because you're asking me to do it, I, I will do it. I will do it. So he kind of grudgingly goes out, right? And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Verse 7, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. So they didn't just catch a lot of fish. They caught so many fish that it almost sank two boats. Like, if you're a fisherman, this is the story you tell people for the rest of your life. Like, it's the one that your grandkids are like, yes, granddad, we've heard that story a thousand times, right? It is, they, they never, ever, ever stop telling. Remember that time we were, the only thing that changes about this story is the number of boats that almost sank, right? You're just, you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, this time, you know, grandpa tells it again and adds a boat every time he tells it, right? And so, but it just, it, but it's that, it's that thing. And, and not just for them. I mean, this was probably a record haul that that whole village would have remembered for years to come. Remember that time those guys caught so many fish, it almost sunk two boats, that's like, that's insane. And they hadn't caught anything 
before that. And, they, and after Jesus gains his popularity and notoriety and everything else, you know, now the name of Jesus begins to be attached to this story of those guys went fishing with Jesus, you know, whatever, and this happened. And so this happens, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Peter has this moment that we actually see pretty common throughout a lot of uh, the scriptures where when someone has a, um, a, a kind of direct encounter with God, they're immediately aware of their sinfulness. They fall on their face and they're immediately aware of their sinfulness. This happens in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, where God calls Isaiah into, into a ministry and he gives Isaiah this vision of the temple, and there's smoke in the temple, and there's these little cherubim and seraphim flying around, and, and uh, you know, wings and eyes, and it's a really mysterious, right? And, 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 and he, Isaiah gets this glimpse of the holiness of God, and he falls on his face, and he says, woe, woe unto me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. He sees a vision of God and is immediately convicted, immediately aware of his own sinfulness. And Peter has a similar experience. He doesn't really yet know that Jesus is God, but he definitely knows he's from God at this point. And he's going, you know, that's his response. He, he's, he's just, uh, depart. you know, you need to go away. I'm, I'm too sinful to be around you, God. I'm too sinful. And then Jesus does what happens all throughout Scripture when people have an encounter with God and they, they get fearful and they get real about who they are and who God is. He responds in the way that messengers from God had responded for hundreds of years. He says, don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. You'll be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. Just another angle on that story of Jesus calling his disciples, really beautiful, some details in there that, that we don't get in the other stories. But one of the thing I want to focus on this morning is the idea of what can we do to make sure we're deeply connected to Jesus? And so this is the point I want to bring up, is that deep connection happens in deep waters. Deep connection to Jesus Christ is going to happen in the deep waters. The problem with the deep waters is that most of us are scared of the deep waters. Amen? Like most of us are scared of the deep waters. Anybody else hate getting into the ocean when you can't see below the surface of the water? You're out there up to your chest going, I know that like right there is a great white shark. And he's just like licking his lips right now. I don't even know if sharks have tongues, but whatever. But he's, they don't have lips either, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> whatever he's doing. He's there, and he like right there. I can just feel. I feel his presence. Either a shark or a demon, right there under the water. I know it, right? And we're, like there's just that feeling of not knowing what's there. The feeling of being out, it, jumping into a body of water where you're not sure what's underneath the surface. There is some fear. Now, you know these guys had great fear around uh, the deep waters because this, these lakes, these storms would come up quite often and just sink ships and. It, was, it, was a, it produced a lot of fear with a lot of these people back then, but 
Jesus says, basically, come out to the deep waters. I want to show you more of myself. I want to show you what I can do. I want to show you that I can show up in your life in ways that you didn't think I could show up in your life for. And deep connection with Christ happens when we trust him and follow him into the deep waters. What a scary. They don't call it faith for nothing. Right? They don't call it faith for nothing. Sometimes it's scary to follow Jesus. Sometimes he leads us into, into areas where it's like, I, I can't control any of the outcomes here. I don't know what's going on. Like I, you know, I don't know what the next step is or how you're going to provide or, or whether or not you're going to heal or whatever. And yet Jesus keeps calling us out into the deep. And he says, this is where I'm going to reveal myself to you. Go ahead. Come out here with me. Let's cast the net again. This is where I'm going to show myself. A deep connection with Christ happens in those deep waters. So how is it that we, as followers of Christ, like what can we do to, to like realistically follow Jesus into those deep waters? How can we get deeper in our faith with him? Uh, the first thing is just this. It's, it's kind of a no-brainer, but stop making a hobby out of your faith. Jesus didn't call you into a hobby. Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't, please, the next time you fill out a job application and they ask about your hobbies, please don't put church. Please don't put, you know, your faith. It's not a hobby. It is who we are. It, it is what our whole lives center around. And he doesn't call you into some sort of casual hobby because here, you know, I've had hundreds of hobbies in my life. Hundreds. I'm that guy who collects things, who gets obsessed with things. Maybe it's a show. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, a, a whatever, some sort of other hobby, whatever it might be. But I have had hundreds, hundreds of hobbies in my life. And I get obsessed, and I'm obsessed for about, you know, 6 to 12 months, and I buy everything about that particular hobby, and I just do this. And then 12 months later, I'm like, uh, I'm on to something different, Right? And then, and then we're selling all my hobby stuff at the next garage sale, right? That, we, Jesus does not call you into a hobby so that you can, in an impulse, be obsessed with him and eventually kind of lose interest and, and fall away. That's not the call that Jesus gives you. That's not the call. What he calls you in is, a, a, is a, this beautiful relationship where you will make him the center of your existence. He calls you to nothing less than that. Nothing less. Just stop making your faith a hobby. What, what else? What else can you do to kind of go deep with Jesus? Some, some of it's, you know, just kind of the typical, the typical things that you hear a lot. Bible study, prayer, you know, things like that. And, and that may sound kind of cliche, uh, but it's cliche for a reason. It's because it's effective. But I want to I kind of tweak that expectation a little bit this morning because I shared this with my small group this last week. We do, or no, it was with the young adult group uh, this last week. We, um, now I lost my train of thought. I'll get it. We, um, oh, we don't need more Bible in our lives. We need more Jesus. And there's a difference. We have not been called to study the Bible or read the Bible. We've been called to follow Jesus. We've been called to enter into a relationship with the Jesus that we hear about and read about in the Word. 
But the scripture is not the destination. If you're just reading scripture to read scripture because people tell you you should be reading scripture and the scripture is your destination, then you're missing the whole point. The point is to allow scripture to be the vehicle to get you to the presence of Christ. That's what this is all about. Now, I, this is my, you guys know me. This is my thing. Like, I am a huge Bible nerd. Like, I, I am a scripture nerd. I, I love it so much. I, I literally, like, I want to be um, as well-versed in the scripture as I can possibly be. My goal someday is that you guys will, because you guys are constantly texting me questions, asking me questions about, about the Bible, and my goal is that someday I can respond to those without Googling your question, which, by the way, you could have Googled it yourself, okay? And, and that, that sort of thing. But I, I want to be I want to be an expert in God's Word. I really want that for, for, for the health of, of our congregation, for, for my own uh, interest, for, for, for whatever the case. I just want to know about Jesus as much as I can know about Jesus. I want to know about this Word as much as I can know about this Word. I really want to, I love that deep dive. But if all I ever do is take in information, I have missed the calling of Christ on my life. We don't need more Bible. We need more of the presence of Christ in our life. And that's the goal. So I'm, if I dive into the Word, then, then my ultimate end goal is I want to experience more of the presence of Christ in my life. Because that's what I need. Lots of people know Scripture that have no relationship with Christ. Scripture I said earlier I was a collector of things, right? And so I actually have this over in my office. I have this file in, in the handful of files that I have over there. That is, you know when you get things that are valuable and they come with a certificate of authenticity? You know that sort of thing? Some of you do that? So I've got this file of all these certificates of authenticity, right? But the certificate of authenticity isn't the thing. The thing is the thing. That's just the proof that you own the thing, right? And the Bible's kind of like that. The Bible is not, the problem is that we have turned the Bible, a lot of us, into the fourth member of the Trinity. We have raised it up and began to worship it, and it was never given to us to be worshipped, ever. It was given to us as a vehicle to get us to the presence of Christ. It was given to us so that when we experience the presence of Christ in our life, and we, maybe you, you, you feel like you're hearing God lead you in a particular direction, you know, through your time with him or whatever. He's guiding your thoughts and guiding you in a particular direction through his Holy Spirit. This becomes the authenticity certificate to let you know whether that's actually Jesus or not. It, it is the proof, the bellwether of if is this Jesus talking to you or is it just the pizza you had last night? Right? It is, that's what it is. Does this thing I feel Christ calling me to do, does it match up with his word? If yes, then let's go. If not, then it wasn't Jesus. That's what this is. It is not the fourth member of the Trinity. It's just not. So I'm, I'm not, you're like, why are you beating up on the Bible today, Jeff? I'm not, don't get me wrong. I love, 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 love the, the word. I love it. But it is no replacement for the actual and real presence of the Spirit of Christ in your life. It is no replacement. So go deep in that way. Go deep in your, in your word if it's leading you to 
Jesus. Go deep in your prayer life if it's leading you to real communication with Christ. Go deep in that stuff, and, it, and, and you'll find that. But prayer, like you just spouting off words, and you just carving out a little time to read a few pages of Scripture or a couple paragraphs of Scripture, that's not going to get you to Jesus unless you go through it, use it to get to Jesus. Does that make sense? Am I making sense here? I'm kind of beating a dead horse maybe, but, but it's, I think it's a really important distinction. Some of you have felt completely like unfulfilled in your scripture reading and you're, and you're like, why do other people get so much out of it and I don't and that sort of thing? And I would just encourage you, get in there and look for Jesus. Don't use the Bible as just one more daily task to check off of your list. Oh, I did that. So no, no, no. Meet with Jesus when you get into this thing. Pray through these words. Connect with Christ through these words. Allow, start off your time with him. God, I want to hear from you. Allow him to speak. Allow, allow a little word or a phrase to kind of jump off the page at you and stick in your head and go, okay, I need to meditate on that a little bit. But find some way to get to Christ through this. We do that through this. We also do it through our deep connection with each other. We do it through our deep connection in the church. Like God's gift to us of the church. We are the church, by the way. A church is not just some organization or a building. We are the church. God's gift to us of each other, this group of people that we call our church family, is to pr provide a greater depth in our relationship with him. We keep each other encouraged. We, we are there to love each other, support one another. We, we build each other up. This happens, it can happen here on a Sunday morning, just really beautiful, meaningful times of worship like we experienced today where we're all lifting up our voices to God. That's powerful, that's awesome, but it happens on a deeper level in, in the context of our groups. If you're not in a group, get in a group because this is where deep and real connection happens. My group's been meeting for two weeks now and, and we're already starting to have some really meaningful conversations in that group, some really some some people are sharing some things and, and, and going deep and 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 we're heading in a direction with each other that's really meaningful. One of our group members this week had a death in the family and and it, it was just beautiful to be able to watch the group rally around her and support her and and uh, provide for her in some ways that that were helpful or you know whatever the way a church should for someone who's going through a, hurt, a hurtful time, and that happens in the context of that community, right? I said earlier just how amazing worship was this morning, and it really was. I, I thought the team just did a fantastic job this morning. One of the ways that we continue to go deeper with Christ is just through longevity in that relationship with him. In the same way, a marriage, as it goes from five years to 10 years to 20 years to 50 years, you're looking back on when your marriage was young and going, I don't even think I knew what love was back then. I, I, I know I loved her. I know I loved him. But what we have now is so much deeper, so much more meaningful than what it was, what that was, you know, even though that was great. It's because of that longevity. You have to, in a, in a marriage that really goes the distance, you have to willfully make choices to stay. You do. Because there'll be days you don't want to. Plenty of them. And you have to willfully go, no, I, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. I know I've talked to a lot of you who have, you know, um, you've been through divorces or maybe your parents have been through divorces or, or whatever. And, and I know the pain that goes 
with that. I know the pain that goes, uh, you know, how when everybody comes through that situation of a divorce or a separation, everybody feeling, you know, from mom and dad to kids to every, you know, everybody just kind of feeling like, you know, the sense of failure that it didn't go the way that you dreamed it would go or whatever. But ultimately, when you're with the person that God's called you to be, even if you love this person and would never hardly dream of ever divorcing them or leaving them or whatever else, I promise you there will come days when you just have to go, I'm staying. I don't want to. I'm staying. I think you can say the same thing about your relationship with the church, too. There will come days when, you're, when you'll tell yourself, eh, church ain't what it used to be. Maybe, maybe we should go find a different one. And there's a, what I've discovered, and I'm just now discovering this in living hope, because honestly, I've never experienced it any other place in my life. I've never experienced longevity with a church until I came here. I've been here 10 years now. Some of you have been with Living Hope far longer than that. There was a really beautiful moment that happened in our worship service this morning that if you're new or new-ish to Living Hope, you completely missed it. But I think it was the most beautiful moment of the whole day today. And it's this last week, uh, Living Hope turned 17. 17 years old as a church. And... Um, and this morning, we were led in worship by a 17-year-old girl who's been here that whole time. I was, I, I composed myself second service, but in te- tears, first service. As Maya led us in worship. Some of you have been around here long enough to remember when she was toddling around the gyms or rooms that we were meeting in. Some of you taught her in Sunday school and discipled her in that way. Some of you discipled her in her, her youth group as, as her mentors or, or whatever. You, you've, you've watched her grow into the young woman that she is, and you saw what was this you know, little, beautiful little girl in diapers you know, scurrying around the church grow into somebody who stood up here under the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit leading us to the throne of worship. And you don't get to see that without longevity. You'll miss that. You'll miss that beautiful thing of watching God take someone from, and it doesn't have to be a baby. It could be just someone, some young adult or some, some old adult for that matter, who's brand new kind of baby in their faith. Grow them into being something that is something of a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. And if you never spend time, spend years with a group of people, with a church, you miss all those really, really beautiful moments. How blessed are we that we've reached this point? I mean, 17 years is still a relatively young age for a church, but we've reached this point, and I've only been here 10 of it, right? But still, to be able to say we've reached this point where we can look at people across the congregations and go, I remember when that dude used to be rough, Right now he's an elder. Right, that, that I remember when 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 she was screaming at the nursery workers, <laughs> the kid, not the mom. <laughs> right, 
I remember when she was screaming in the nursery. Now she's leading us in worship. I, you, know, you don't get to see those really beautiful moments until you experience some longevity. You want to go deep in your relationship with Christ, go deep in your relationship with your church. You want to go deep in your relationship with your church, then get busy serving one another, loving one another, discipling one another, and view it as your mission in life. View it as your mission in life. Because that's when you start to see the really good fruit. The really good fruit. I love this church. I love that you guys get to see some of that fruit now. But that fruit was a long time coming. It didn't happen overnight. And you didn't become the person you are today overnight either. And so jump in with each other, lock arms, and let's get into the deep water with Jesus from this point forward. Amen? Let's do that. Let's do that. All right. Let's pray. Pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word to us this morning. We thank you that you don't just let us get by with a casual or thoughtless faith, but that you call us very uh, directly, you call us into the deep waters of life. And God, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes those deep waters legitimately scare me when I don't know what's going on, when I feel out of control, when I don't know where you're leading me. But God, I'm going to trust that when you lead me there, you'll reveal yourself to me. And so that's what we all want. We want to see you. We want to experience the power of your spirit in our lives. We want to go deep. We want to finish well in our faith. We want to finish well as a church, as a group of believers together. And so guide us through that process. And we'll follow you. We'll follow you even when it's scary. We'll follow you. Um, but we anxiously await the times when you show up and you show yourself and you move in our lives in powerful, powerful ways. So we give ourselves to you one more time and we ask you to just take us and use us uh, to advance your kingdom. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.